it is an adenovirus, but it's not the same type of adenoviruses that was used uh, as uh, vaccines uh, for COVID. Uh, but it is an adeno, and then we have inserted human immunostimulatory genes into the genome of this virus. So we can just uh, inject the virus in the tumor, and it sort of becomes an in situ vaccination. Welcome to this episode of Speed of Life. This is a podcast series focusing on innovations accelerating towards better health. My name is Björn and I am co-hosting this episode together with my colleague Diana. A very warm welcome to you. Let's jump into this episode. Hello to our listeners uh, today and a warm welcome to our two guests, Angelica Loskog and Justina Lea Larblad from Lucon Pharma. Hello and Hello. welcome. Hi. We are really, really happy to have you here today, and uh, we want to know everything about you and Lucon Pharma, so please introduce yourselves. Well, my name is Angelica Loskog, as you said. I am the CEO of Lucon Pharma, but uh, I'm also a professor at Uppsala University, uh, and that's where I started to work with immunotherapy. So I have with me Justina. Yes, hello. So uh, my name is Justina Leijarblad, and I work as head of clinical development at Lucon Pharma since 2020. So my role is to have oversight of development and execution of all clinical studies that we have currently in our company. Sounds good. Uh, would you tell us a bit more about your backgrounds? You can start, Angelika. Yeah, well, I started to work with immunotherapy. It's it's more than 20 years ago, so it was 1999, actually. So so it's, it's quite um, a long time working in this field. Um, I worked at Uppsala for the first years, made my PhD and so on. And then I actually moved to the U.S. and worked in Houston, Texas. And they have a very famous center for cell and gene therapy, which was one of the largest in the world back then. Mm. So I wanted to go there to learn more about the, the techniques that we are using. Come back to Uppsala, did my first trial back in 2006 with uh, gene therapy for cancer. And uh, well, from there, I have just moved forward uh, within academia and went to uh, Lucon Pharma uh, 10 years ago. So okay. I have been both in, in academia and pharma since the past 10 years. Um, yeah, very similar for me. So I have a solid background in immuno-oncology and drug development. Um, I can say that I have been interested in human biology since I remember I, as a seven-year-old, I had a, a human anatomy book, okay. which actually I read very often. So I think it's very clear from uh, the choices I have during my education and career I started at Jagiellonia University in Krakow, and actually that's the first time I started working with virus-based drugs. And then I continue when I moved to Sweden um, to do my uh, PhD studies, when actually um, the, the subject of my PhD thesis uh, was also to develop a, a drug, a virus-based drug that is uh, specific for a certain type of tumor. Um, and I have been also working with um, clinical projects, both in academia and in industry. So I think that my interest in drug development, it's very clearly visible through all my career. Mm. That's great. Uh, Angelica, would you tell me a bit more about your uh, role as a CEO? 
Well, Lucan is a, a small company, and I was there from the beginning in a way. So, so I mean, my role has been everything yeah. from, you know, making coffee to mm-hmm. making decisions about millions of dollars, actually. So, so you have been uh, the CEO the whole time? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the whole time, I would say, in 10 years. Mm. So that was my role from the beginning to to come in uh, and be the CEO of this company and also to be an advisor to our owners next to me. Mm. So so that's what I have been doing. And I think as a CEO in a small company, you have to be prepared to do everything. And uh, for me, it was finding a means to to develop my research from the university into a drug development uh, program. And... Um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, I have done everything from submitting applications to regulatory bodies and, you know, have meetings with the FDA by myself in, in a hotel room <laughs> via the phone, pretending almost to be several people because they were several people <laughs> at their end. So so it's just being that person who, who can do anything. You just wake me up and you have to go with what you have on your plate that day. So. And what motivates you the most with that role? Um, well, I, I think that I like uh, that it's not... Uh, I can't take for granted what my role is, actually, just that it changes over time, and I can develop into uh, in different ways, depending on what is my interest, but also that I have to, you know, also put everything together and make sure that we reach our goals. So sometimes you might do things that doesn't motivate you, but you have to do. Mm-hmm. But but uh, on the other hand, uh, um, I mean, it's my goal in life to develop drugs for mm-hmm. cancer. And uh, I think that I have gotten a fantastic opportunity to do that. Um, I remember when I started um, at next to be it was actually... Um, a job interview in disguise in a way because okay. I, I was working at the university and I met this guy John Heimer who worked at next to be and uh, we, we met for different reasons within a completely different project and he was just like who are you <laughs> uh, and he realized that I had done a lot of clinical trials within the academia and he said well can't you come and just present what you are doing to next to be mm. Uh, and when I was there, I started to get very weird questions. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then I realized that it was a job interview. <laughs> so, yeah, that so th- that's kind of fun, you yeah. know, that you never know where where you are ending up in a way. So, yeah. And that's John Heimer, who is the CEO of Olink Proteomics. Yes, right? so Olink was part of the portfolio of the next, next to be back then. Mm. So... Uh, uh, when we started, they, of course, had another CEO and so on. But mm. at one point, uh, John had to be the CEO there. So some, we work very close to the different companies that were owned by next to be mm. So we could take roles in companies or step back or whenever it was uh, a need in a way. So so that that's the same person. Mm. Mm. Uh, you mentioned next to be several times. Would you yeah. explain how it's all connected? Yeah, so, so next to me is then a, a private venture cap here in Uppsala. As you know, it was founded by uh, Bengt Ågrup, who was the CEO back then, uh, based on, you know, the uh, sell of Gal- uh, Qu- uh, Qumid to Galderma. So uh, I think that um, 
they have been the one that founded Lucon and also, you know, they started it up because they thought, well, we can put cancer projects in Lucon. Uh, and at the same time, they sort of found me who could sort of lead Lucon. So, so they own Lucon. So that's the sort of connection. Yeah. Thank you. Interesting. Uh, Justina, uh, you told us about uh, your passions, uh, what you love and what you have done. Uh, tell, tell me a bit more how your experiences uh, contribute to the development of Lucon Pharma. Yes, so as a researcher, I look at myself as a all-around-the-clock project leader, and I do enjoy projects um, more complicated, more passionate I am about them. Um, and actually, when um, um, when I met Angelica back in 2020, I was ready in my career to actually to have to lead a project that is actually more global. Um, and um, and I so also I didn't realize that that was somehow a, a, a job interview at the time <laughs> because we, so we you did the same thing <laughs> yeah so I mean I know Angelica since uh, time at university so so of course it was for me a, a very nice chat and I, I think that I was describing to you actually that right now I'm looking for um, project where I can actually work more with the cross-functional teams I want to combine both both um, clinical studies with more knowledge about the regulatory um, issues and actually I was looking around for a new opportunity so um, so Angelica was very fast with actually offering and describing more what we, what's going on in Lucon and Lucon is right now in a very exciting growing phase and this is what I'm very passionate about um, being a part of this growth when you actually are changing the um, startup or a company that has been grounded in academia to actually being a, a large-scale global company a pharma company that is definitely my drive I I've been working um, with similar project you know bringing um, startups to the more commercial um, phase uh, in my previous job so so this seems like a very nice fit for me mm. and here I am Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was really funny because years before you came to Lucon, I have had told Erika Kjellberg Eriksson, who is the CEO of Next to Be, then, that, you know, Justina Leijar Blood, we, we will bring over to Lucon <laughs> as soon as she is available. So it's part of your plan. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was part of Sneaky. my giant plan. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. actually it was fine because I remember coming home and telling my husband, I think I... I have a new job <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no but it it uh, it actually um, I do love enjoy the work I, I do right now it actually f uh, fits exactly um, my passion and again in 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 principle I really want to see a product of research to be used in real life on everyday basis so that's why um, the goal is that the product we have right now in the pi pipeline to bring it to the market and and th this is this is large project um, that will take um, many years and I'm and I'm really really looking forward to it so um, I think we always discuss in the company that uh, internally that yeah th it's gonna be a challenge there is a lot of things to be done and for me I I see only opportunity I only see this as a really great adventure that's a great attitude. Mm. So who else is on the list, Angelic? <laughs> no, yes, I'm just I kidding. Can, I can't <laughs> tell you. No, I, I have actually been building a really good team now because I did 
many things by myself for quite a long time. Uh, but I managed to get on board very skilled persons, I think. Mm. Um, so I'm very pleased with the team we have. And we are expanding now. So we are in a phase when we are starting to expand, finding more people who want to work with us. So, well, it, it is an exciting time. And especially the clinical development program needs to have a lot of staff. Mm. So people interested in safety and regulatory and, you know, doing clinical studies, they know who to contact. It's <laughs> ah, great. It's okay to make this into an advertisement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing we always say, you're always allowed to credit other people as well. So. Yes, yes. Mm. Well, advertising, I th see it as, you know, lifting opportunities yes, for people. Yeah. Mm. And uh, tell us about Lucon Pharma. Uh, what is it that you do? Give us the short elevator pitch first. The short one. We are developing immunostimulatory gene therapy for cancer. Mm. And what does that mean? So, so uh, it is, uh, in a way, it is immunotherapy that many people are, you know, they are um, very well um, aware of immunotherapy since the Nobel Prize. Yes. Mm. Then uh, here in Sweden, it, it took uh, quite a while before immunotherapy was, you know, recognized. Uh, so, so I think it, it is an immunotherapy, uh, but it's also a gene therapy. But I think that with the pandemic, a lot of people knows what viruses are and that viruses can be used in drugs. So our product is actually a virus. It's a common cold virus. It is an adenovirus, but it's not the same type of adenoviruses that was used uh, as uh, vaccines uh, for uh, COVID. Uh, but it is an adeno, and then we have inserted human immunostimulatory genes into the genome of this virus. So we can just uh, inject the virus in the tumor, and it sort of becomes an in-situ vaccination. Yeah. Interesting. A specific target? Well, we are working a lot with pancreatic cancer, but also melanoma and mm. colorectal cancer, ovarian, and so on. But... Uh, Technically, you could use it for any tumor uh, easier if it's solid, so you, because we do local injection into the tumor, so it's sort of easier if you have somewhere to inject that it's placed in, in where you can sort of go in with the needle. Yeah. Uh, but Justina, would you add something to, to well, that? I do try to sometimes explain um, to my friends and family that uh, I'm working with the idea to have... Um, a common pathogen, you know, um, as a virus that actually is causing our, you know, a common cold and turn it into a drug that can actually cure a disease. Mm. Um, and and just idea that actually this is, um, the, that the product actually is quite complicated and we are actually somehow reprogramming um, a virus into, I would say, an active drug. It's, I think it's quite fascinating. Um, and, and and that's why I started working um, with with this type of product to, to, to start with. Just an idea, actually, how much you can actually rechange um, the pathogen to actually work for our benefit. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, the idea that to, to develop drug for cancer, I think that you, Angelica, agree with me. It's never going to be only about one drug. So basically, viruses already combine several different mechanisms within one product. So our virus can directly kill cancer cells, but also it, it can 
a trigger infection, so I would say a signal that something is going on within the tumor. And it, it has been also modified even further to also um, strengthen our immune system. So already our product has um, combined different mechanisms um, of action. And additionally, in our clinical trials, we are combining our product with other therapies as well. We are trying to evaluate what is the best combination to actually have a greatest benefit for the patients. So um, I think that uh, what we are doing is not only to develop one product, but actually develop one strategy uh, or the strategy that can benefit um, large amount of patients or at least to have a better knowledge what type of patients uh, we most likely we're going to see uh, greatest benefit. So, so that's also why you need a lot of people for your clinical development programs, I guess. And yes, <laughs> absolutely. Because you have to prove this in every target, I guess, still. So I think that so far we are, uh, we are focusing on a specific group of patients, but also we are doing a lot of analysis to trying to understand um, uh, how to select patient uh, for further studies. Um, Cancer is a very complicated disease. So it's the heterogeneity is not only between different cancer types, it can be between different patients, even mm. if they suffer from exact, exactly the same type of cancer. Mm. Uh, so uh, yeah, definitely there is a lot of analysis g going on in our study to understand, but the results so far, I would say they're promising. Uh, we, we are seeing data that also can give us a good start um, for a new studies and Right now we are in a um, phase when we are looking not only on safety, but also efficacy. Uh, and we, this is a ground for us to prepare a phase three, which is a large scale um, studies to, that will lead, uh, hopefully, the product to the market. So, um, but absolutely, analysis, design, um, it's, it's uh, I would say we, we work with it on a daily basis uh, to basically uh, have a full um, I would say um, certainty that the product we are actually bringing to the market is going to be as effective as, effective as we hope it to be. Mm. And when do you think that will be? When will you have, uh, hopefully, our product market on approval, the market? Yeah. Yeah. I say do we it there? Uh, <laughs> it's depend, uh, actually, it depends on funding because uh, we know the fastest way to go um, you know, that would be a couple of years from now. Uh, but that, that would require a lot of study sites because then you need to take in hundreds of patients rather quickly. So, and you can do that if you have a lot of funding. Mm. Then you can do a huge study with, you know, 40 centers around the world. Um, but if you have less funding, you, you might need to do it slower sure. so you can sort of gain more fun funding during the time to reach your goal. So that's why it's very difficult to say. Uh, but, but something getting back to, you know, what patients and patient selection, because there is something I think it's important to say. Immunotherapy is not for everyone. It's just it, it isn't. Um, and a lot of people think it might be because it's your immune system. It should work for, you know, anything. But, but I think it's important to consider that, you know, the tumors are different. Mm -hmm. And uh, for the ones uh, that are approved, the checkpoint blockade antibodies, for example, the Nobel Prize uh, drugs, 
uh, they work in patients that already have an immune system that is targeting the tumor. So you need to have the T killer cells. Sure. They need to be in the tumor because they are targeted with these drugs. So if they are not there, you will have no effect. So, so that's the first thing. And, and when it comes to immunotherapies like ours, uh, it's an activating immunotherapy. So when you inject it, it needs to be in a patient that still has an immune system. Sure, okay. yeah. So younger patients. Ne well, you not could think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not the, it's not that actually because um, well, you need to have an immune system that works, and then it's natural to think it should be someone younger. But persons that are really young and have a cancer, they usually have like a few drivers. So they might not be so mutated. So it's not so well rec <coughs> recognized okay. by mm. the tumor. Mm. Uh, so, so, you know, in the end of the day, it needs to be a tumor that um, has more mutations so the T cells can recognize them and kill them. So then it's usually better with the ordinary cancers that develop slowly over time. And then you discover them maybe a little bit later. Mm. So we are saying like, over 40, 45, it's actually better than if you are okay, much yeah. younger because you might have a different type of cancer or, or almost like a different disease in a way. So, but, but you need to have an immune system mm. for an activating immunotherapy to work. And if you have too much tumor, so it's very much spread and you have very little time maybe to live, then our type of immunotherapy, it takes a while for the immune system to get activated and to get started. So if you start too late, it's too late. So it's very important to, to learn. So it's not which, for metastatic diseases? Then? Yes, it is it for is, metastatic uh, disease, but, but you cannot come where when you have so much tumor, your immune system is sure. down. Mm -hmm. And uh, you might, uh, if the doctor says, well, you might have a month or a couple of weeks yeah. left, then it's no use to have an activating mm -hmm. immunotherapy. Mm -hmm. Then there might be other things. I mean, if you have a leukemia and uh, you are very late stage and then you get CAR T cells, uh, for example, uh, CAR T cells, it, it's a genetically engineered T cell from the patient blood that you have engineered in the lab and expanded. So then you give T cells to the patient that are already active from, from the very first day when you inject them. Then they might have a chance to reduce the tumor and, and even to, to make the patient cancer free. So, so immunotherapies are different and it's not for everyone. So you need to find the patients that you should treat. So that's like a big job that we are doing where uh, our R&D development program is working very closely with Justina's uh, clinical development program to find the right patients. So, so we are doing the right study in the end sure. when we do the randomized study. Sure. And then it's important to add that immunotherapy might be f um, optimal for a certain type of patients, but uh, there are greater chances to have long-term effects if you compare to uh, chemotherapy, uh, which might act much much faster, but you might not have long-term effects. So, so the goal is to cure cancer, of course, but also to stabilize disease. Actually, some of the patients can have great quality of life and can live long life with the cancer as long as the cancer is being controlled. Uh, by their own immune system. So I think that the main goal of immunotherapy is um, 
to provide this long-term benefit for patients. So you can actually enjoy your uh, life for, for, for any time you have left without having been concerned by, by the disease. Mm. Um, um, but yes, the patient selection, I think is this, this is the main question for all pharma companies, uh, how to design studies, what patient population to choose, what parameters, what biomarkers, so mm. what kind of factors we can actually identify already from, from the beginning to make sure that we have a benefit. Because as you said, Angelica, it takes time to see benefit, um, but when we see it, it's also long-lasting. Yes, so sure. yeah, I saw some numbers uh, a few years ago saying checkpoint inhibitors only have 25% in, in terms of precision, so you need some additional support then to find the patients. Yeah. Yeah. And checkpoints absolutely revolutionize immunotherapy. Um, and, you know, first when, when the results came from patients with melanoma, it was extremely promising. But as soon as they moved to a different cancer type, the results were not as okay. promising as for, for melanoma cancer. And, and this is, again, I, I go back to what I said, uh, you need to have a good strategy to fight cancer, you need to have a right combination of therapies. Mm. And in order to do that, you d we do need to do studies, we need to do analysis. So um, it, it is a lot of work, but uh, I think we are on, on a good way. I think based on, on our work, I think- That was my next question. <laughs> I don't want to go too deep into the rabbit hole, but it, it's supposed to be a monotherapy that you're- No, we, no. we don't, uh, we never thought of our treatment as a monotherapy. So. Okay. So in the first study that we started ever, that was on pancreatic cancer, which mm. is a cancer that is not considered what we say immunogenic. So it's a cancer that has rather few T cells already from the beginning that recognize the tumor. So they are the ones that they do not respond to checkpoint blockade okay. antibodies yeah. whatsoever. Mm. Yeah. So, so I, I thought that, well, we, we should go for pancreatic cancer. And I asked next to me, what tumor should we take? And they just, well, take high risk, high gain. So. <laughs> okay. Uh -huh. uh, but, but then, uh, to be serious, they also, they had some people they knew also with pancreatic cancer and so on. And, and we thought it, it's, uh, it's a good way to start. And it's also a tumor where you could come in rather early in treatment. Um, because the, the standard of care treatments today are usually not curative. So it might prolong life, but they are not curative. It's rather seldom you have a complete response on chemotherapy. Uh, but we thought then, well, we give the virus together with standard of care chemo. Mm. Because then you can come in almost first line or maybe second line. And pancreatic cancer patients, uh, they might not have so long expected survival. So then uh, also the regulatory bodies understand that it's good to start early with something to have a chance. If we would wait for standard treatment and then do experimental treatment, then you know there might not be so many patients left. So, so then we can come in early and try to make a difference and see if the virus will add benefit to standard of care chemo. And chemo can also destroy the immune system. But in this case, the chemo that they are receiving are hitting the bad immune cells, the myelid suppressor cells, okay. for example. So we think it's a good strategy because our treatment will activate T cells. And the chemo might control the tumor a little bit if we are lucky, but it might also hit the bad guys that will stop T cells from growing. 
great. Mm-hmm. Really. Uh, tell me about the name Lukon Pharma. Where did it come from? So Lukon is actually someone who played with the word oncology and made it to Lukon. Okay. Uh, but people usually think it has something to do with Luskog, my yeah, name. Yeah, that was my guess, <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> yes, but that's not true. <laughs> so it's just uh, uh, someone playing with the word. So it mm. was Christine Arman Brinks that next to me who sat there an afternoon mm. and then Lukon was born. Sustainable development is in both economic, ecologic and social aspects is an important part of a company. Um in a company's development, if you, as we say, want to develop and in uh, and be competitive in the future, is that something you work with? Uh, and if, in what way? Well, that's actually a difficult question yeah, because I think really that <laughs> if you are a, a big pharma, you would have a different answer compared to when you are a company with a handful of people. Um, but. You know, at least there are a few aspects that we we might not sit down and talk about those things, but still, I think it's in the atmosphere of Lucon that we are trying to uh, have a good policy for staff. That uh, you know, we have a good atmosphere at work. Yes. Uh, building teams in a good way, so so it's uh, you feel good working at Lucon. Um, so I, I hope that those are things that give sustainability for you know for the staff and people we are working with, um, and in terms of um, you also when you you say sustain sustainability you think about the environment and what can we do, then uh, something that we as immunotherapist people are sometimes arguing that we are doing something good because there might be less chemo in the end and chemo is quite toxic. Mm. So it's good to go over to something that is uh, maybe better also from um, uh, a side effects and, and how to handle those and and what would that mean uh, economically in the world when you, you, you don't get so sick during treatment as you might get from... Uh, well, more advanced chemo cocktails that were very promising for a while, but uh, also very heavy on the patients. Um, And how we are producing our products, we also try to think from an economical point of view that we are trying to select uh, um, all the ingredients or, yeah, that um, it's good for the environment, what you choose, but also from an economic point of view. So it's a difficult question. And, and I think that um, as a small company, we don't discuss it a lot from, from that perspective. But still, when we are making decisions, uh, I think in the back of our minds, things like this are, are popping up. Yeah, that's good. It's a good start. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can add, add that I do have focus to build trust and transparency within my team and this is the principle I work uh, with all my external partners and also all my clinics Um, so it's I want to build the good relationships I want to make sure that they that they know that I appreciate their work their input sometimes you know um, we we do work you know over time or in the night it because we have to considering what is the best for the patients. We need to meet the deadlines for safety reporting. And I know that uh, I work with the highly dedicated people. Um, 
and I, I always want them to know that I see that uh, they are truly invested in the project from, from many different um, sides. Uh, but for the sustainability, I think we do work quite a lot with the product quality already now. I think we think uh, uh, how the product um, will be uh, distributed, stored um, in the future. So we are already now trying to have a plan for longer shelf life or uh, to, to limiting uh, storage. Uh, requirements. So I think that will also make it easier for the product to be distributed and used um, in in also the developing countries. So I think we already have that. And but I do agree this is um, this is maybe more long term uh, mm -hmm. solutions. But I, I do think we uh, we work with sustainability also. Yeah, Even we do we work with program. it, but, but I wouldn't say that we say now we will sit down and discuss no, no. our plans no. for sustainability, <laughs> that, that we are too small to do. Yeah. But I think that we are all reasonable people on board and, and we do have a deeper yes, thought in everything that we do. So, so it will work out well yeah. in the end. Yeah, yeah. and how, how many are you now? in Lukon? We are seven people seven employed people. and yeah. then we work uh, with... Well, a handful of consultants that work almost 100%, and then you know a wider spread of mm -hmm. consultants and collaborators. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that, including also my research group here at Uppsala University that works a lot with Lucon, um, I, I would say we are about uh, 15, 20, 25 mm -hmm. people, mm -hmm. a little bit depending on how, how you count. Mm -hmm. And not having these questions in the in the policies and so on works for you now. Maybe it will be more challenging in the, in the future when you're even growing even more. It will be. Yeah. It will be. And, and we are growing, as I said. Mm. Now, now we have the team on board that will sort of form the leadership team. Mm. And uh, we will now also start to recruit more people to help out in the different programs that we have set up. And uh, the more people you are, you also need to have more policies and sure. yeah, mm -hmm. so, so people know where we are going as yeah. a team. Mm -hmm. So there will be much more of those things coming up as we grow. That brings me to my next question. Uh, and another part that we are always interested in is a company's culture and visions and values. That's something that maybe sh will come now more in the future as you're growing. Is that something that you talk or work with now, even though if you don't maybe have it in uh, written documents today, but yes. Justine, I were talking about the way you are with your colleagues, with your employees, this kind of culture, how do you keep it while growing? Um, so I think that I, as a leader, I, I try to actually be the one that uh, learns continuously and listens. I have actually, uh, I'm right now I'm working with people that combine both experience with creativity. I, on the meetings, I do see that people from different backgrounds, different age or coming from, from different point of view, we can actually um, bring it all together and, and, and move forward with, with the decision. Um, I think people share the same value and that is uh, that all our work um, is about patience. Everything we do 
it's to actually make a difference for, for people that actually are suffering from disease. Um, as you mentioned, Angelica, um, many of us have someone in, in family or in, in our surroundings, someone that is suffering from cancer disease. or So I think it, it's always um, becomes more personal that the goal it's, it's somehow real mm. for, for all of us. I work with um, physicians and, and I hear that they are extremely engaged with the patients. Um, um, they, they know them also as human beings. They know what they do for a living. They know the name of the dog. Mm. It, it, is, mm. it is very touching mm. and they do have extremely uh, good connection with the patients. So ev I think from everyone, from the physicians to the people that work um, in, in, in the clinical development with some administrative um, issues, I think they have a, the common understanding that all the work we are doing is actually to to make a difference from patients that actually are suffering from, from a deadly disease. Um, and I think that's why uh, it's, it's somehow, it helps a lot to build a, go a good team because mm -hmm. of that, the, that value that we share already from the start. Absolutely. Mm. And, and that is something when, when we talk with investors, for example, and you have your presentations, that is something that we sort of stress that Lucan Pharma is a company that makes a difference for cancer patients. But on our website, we, we also put in something that we do in a larger extent believe in and, and that, that we want to give hope to people because uh, even if we can't cure them, we might prolong their life a little bit. And we also create um, a hope because if you, uh, if you think that you don't have any treatments available and you still then get a chance with something, even if it doesn't go well, you give someone hope for a while. And if you have hope and if, if you also have survival and then you start to dream again. So we have like a slogan with like hope, uh, survival and dreams and we will fight with you. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's a, a good thought. Yeah. Mm. And that was actually my next question because this that you have answered, uh, it's important to communicate this uh, also in order to to attract uh, investors or employees and talents to the company. Uh, what do you think attracts people to work with you? Maybe you have already answered that. Oh, well, I can speak for, for myself. Uh, I think we, we have a great team. Um, I think we have, uh, again, I, it's also a, um, a, a benefit or being a small company because you do know everyone quite close. Uh, it, it will change where we are growing. Um, but it, but at least I think uh, there is a common understanding where we are going. There is a, a, a very clear um, understanding what we are doing, why we are doing it, uh, and and how we should collaborate with each other. And um, and I think so far, you know, in general, the small companies in Uppsala, since uh, uh, we are finding the talents and expertise. Uh, a lot from Uppsala. I mean, Uppsala has two universities, mm. a lot of innovation offices. I think um, business incubator. I think it was even marked as tenth. Um, I think it's in the fifth place. Fifth exactly. global. Uh, wow. <laughs> so I mean, uh, already in Uppsala, we have a lot of res resources and uh, and expertise presence. So th this is actually the great um, generator for small companies. Mm. 
to find people and actually you know if uh, if you are so close to academia you share this kind of goal to to see some kind of change in the world to see your product or your research um, being used in the real life to have a meaning um, and I think a lot of people I have been working with share the same goal, regardless what the product they are developing or, or if they are what kind of um, company they are working with. Uh, since they have some tight connections with academia and they are actually moving the, these ideas to the industry. The only thing we do in the industry is just we are trying to make it more structured. And of course, we are then uh, more focused on um, uh, bringing the product to the market. So, of course, there is a lot of uh, thoughts going about the processes, projects. It has to be time efficient and we need to think about the resources. But um, under all of that, I think we are all having the same goal and the same idea of that I'm doing a change. And I think this is a, a huge um, driver in, in all of us. And I think Uppsala has uh, uh, is, is a place when you actually can, can find both this expertise and this uh, idea in, in, in among of people that work mm -hmm. here. Yes, thank you. Um, what are you most proud of having achieved so far? Both of you. <laughs> well, well, that is very difficult because I think that sort of, since my goal is to, to have a cancer treatment marketed, then in a way I haven't achieved anything yet, <laughs> but I'm on my way. Yeah. But if you think about smaller goals, then what I'm most proud of is actually that we have made a difference for a lot of people. There are some people out there that live today that wouldn't have lived if they didn't get the treatments that I have you know, thought of in my head and cloned and made a real drug. And uh, then we have different drugs that we have tested at both the university and within Dulcom. But there are several people out there that live today or, or that got longer life. Hmm. How many can say that? Yeah, not everyone can not say everyone. that. And <laughs> when I was a PhD student, I, I actually said that if I will make a difference for a single person, then that's enough. Uh, but then when you have made a difference for one, then you want to, to do more. make it for two. Um, <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's good. <laughs> uh, Justina, would you? For you me, it's my first regulatory approval. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and it's simple because that was the time when actually I was, uh, that was an academic project. And as you know, those projects have more limited resources. So I have been involved or actually written myself every single piece of document that went to um, uh, to medical agency. And that was also in the line, that happened the same time as uh, I became mother for the first time. So that was a huge learning step for me, both privately and also professionally. Um, and I remember that actually I, I was extremely proud of myself that actually I accomplished that uh, in the same time. So I, I remember that very, very lively. <laughs> That's great. And if you were to restart your journeys, both of you, what lessons have you learned? Well, I, I think that I think that this type of work is good that you maybe start once and you don't really know what you have ahead of you because it is an extreme amount of work to to start to develop a drug. So, but to do it again, I, I think that 
one thing would be to have a larger team from the beginning, not to be the only person doing everything. And as Justina said, you remember with joy that you did it, and I did it also. But in the end of the day, it will be much better if you are more people involved and to dare to let people in. It's not so easy mm. either because you are... You know, you are fostered within the university that you should be the group leader. And uh, if you are collaborating too much with your former supervisor, for example, people don't think that uh, you are good enough mm. to, to be your own. And so, so it's sort of fostered to go your own way. Uh, and that, that is in a way good, but you cannot forget the importance of collaborating. And, and I think that for me as a preclinical researcher who wanted to do trials and be connected to the clinic to trans transfer sort of my developments to the clinic uh, to work with people in the clinic has been crucial and we have very very good connections now with people in the clinics first here at Akademiska of course where, where we have you know really good collaborators working with us on a daily basis but now also different researcher or clinical researchers around the world so collaborating more i think will get you further yeah really good to take with with, with us uh, thank you so much for sharing uh, as you know stones life science is part of the innovation system here in Uppsala. And we would like to believe that there are opportunities in being part of ecosystems. Uh, and you have already mentioned uh, that we have two universities, a lot of talent here that you can you can work on, work with. Uh, what more do you see as the advantage of having your business in Uppsala? Well, I think for certain it's uh, the type of treatment that we are developing. It's an immunostimulatory gene therapy. Uh, and I think Uppsala has been uh, for long uh, one of the few cities in Sweden that has developed these type of drugs. So that means that there are people uh, that you could recruit to your companies that has seen these type of treatments before. So from that perspective, Uppsala is good for us mm. because we are working in this field. Um, yeah. Something else that you would add there? No, um, I absolutely agree. There, there's a great infrastructure for uh, small and medium-sized pharma companies. Um, there's a lot of support to drive clinical trials. We have um, um, hospitals that are experienced with this type of more advanced therapy, which actually is not that, I would say, common yet. We So far, we have uh, FDA-approved one oncolytic virus. So, of course, I think that, um, and in general, not only oncolytic viruses, but also um, advanced therapies like CAR T-cells, um, they are not maybe as common yet on the market. And I think I would love to see us being, you know, one of the, the next companies that are getting a product approved and we are somehow putting also Uppsala and Sweden on the map um, with, with uh, ATMP that's approved and used globally. Mm. Absolutely. And how important is the location for the future development of Lucon Pharma? Well, I would say that market-wise, uh, Sweden is not the first market. I mean, we are a small company, certainly, so uh, a small country. Um, so from a market perspective, U.S. is the main market. But I think that if, so, if the pandemic gave us something, it is working more on Teams and Zoom and 
we have sort of learned it better now it's everyday life and and that uh, that connect us in another way so so people that we are working with uh, doesn't need to be based here so we could continue to grow in Uppsala mm. but we will work more with people that are based in in different countries and we are already doing doing it so we have uh, one of our senior medical advisors is based in the U.S. since long, and now we are starting to work with other people also that will be based yeah. in in the U.K. and yeah, so so I think that from that perspective, Uppsala um, will uh, allow us to grow, but we still need to be globally connected. Yes, uh, we mentioned the ecosystem a bit. Do you see? What do you see could add more to the ecosystem? Is well, it perfect that, as it yeah. is? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think that maybe someone else would have a different answer to that because uh, I, I, I assume that when you usually begin your journey within the academia, for example, uh, your first question would be how can I make a patent and how can I start a small company and how can I get help, how to run the company, what about, you know, the bookkeeping and, and all of those things. And in a way, uh, I have been a little bit pampered because I, I could go from the university to next to be who had all those skills and all those people helping out um, and started the company. I, I didn't need to do those things myself. And and uh, uh, without that, I don't know how far I would have gotten. And, and I, I hope that the structure today is that people that doesn't have uh, someone like next to be to help them out from the beginning will allow them to do that. Uh, so, but, but then I'm not so familiar with that, so I, I cannot tell you if that mm. is lacking but but i do hope they will have help with company structure and bookkeeping and <laughs> things like that not only the science part and how to develop the product but also how to develop the company well i have been um on my journey from understanding commercialization so when i somehow wanted to move from academia to industry um I was looking for different programs to understand it better. I was a part of the Mentor for Research program here in Uppsala and actually a uh, former uh, CEO of Stones was my, was my mentor, mm -hmm. uh, Christina Primode. And I have learned a lot and she introduced me uh, to a broad network of people here in Uppsala. And that was, for example, for me, uh, a huge help when I was working with um, with a company and, and I was working a lot of with, for example, with service. Uh, I was involved in the business development, marketing, and that was actually quite a uh, quite a jump um, from a researcher in the lab being actually a person that is um, um, marketing, uh, let's say, a service uh, on, on different international conferences. So um, I do think that uh, it requires active search, but a lot of tools are available in Uppsala. Uh, and one thing actually what I have learned and I wish I could maybe start earlier is to ask questions constantly, everyone, about everything. Um, 
um, because at the beginning maybe um, you don't want to come out as more insecure if you don't understand everything and you try to learn your own and it would be so much faster if I would just start asking questions mm -hmm. but eventually I did and Christina was one that actually also taught me how and there is absolutely no question that would put me on the soft spot and so um, so I think there is a lot of different um, tools in Uppsala and I, I among my friends I have um, a you know, students or PhD students actually are right now uh, building an idea of, of creating their own company. And sometimes we have a chat about how did I start? And even though I, I was involved in the startups, I didn't start my own company, but I think that um, definitely there's a lot of resources in Uppsala and that's why I think it's a very good place to start. Mm, thank you. And do you see a way how you could support others? You said you were helping your colleagues at the university network mm -hmm. I have built uh, a great network and this is actually the most valuable thing I have to offer uh, but we do chat um, I think my latest conversation was about um, um, how to do import and how to fill certain forms I I'm actually also impressed that I actually know that <laughs> this is one of the things I learned in my journey um, so, yeah, but absolutely, even if I don't know anything, I can always find a person within my network that have the answer. Mm -hmm. Collaborate and ask questions. Yes. My yeah, two. And networking, as yeah. Justina said, that's very important. And uh, I think that that is something, uh, when you have worked with something from the very beginning and you have done all the different steps uh, in all parts of you know developing a drug then you get a good network and and you you get great knowledge about things that needs to be done so um hopefully i i hope that i can be one of those person that will share afterwards i, I hope i will succeed with this but then maybe act as consultants for newly started or those who wants to start so they can at least avoid to doing some mistakes <laughs> in the beginning so yeah yeah we we would really like to achieve or make Uppsala into a world-class you know ecosystem for life science mm -hmm. uh, and I think we're on a good way and I think paid forward culture is very important for that uh, and thank you for this very inspiring to listen to you it's quite obvious you're both very passionate leaders and and you have a strong drive for a good company culture which I think is it's is a good way forward uh, and uh, you know what they say, culture eats strategy for breakfast, uh, what do they say? <laughs> but I honestly believe that sounds also like you have a very sound strategy. So it will be, it will be very interesting to follow your, your journey um, um, towards the market approval for your first drug and then the second and third, I guess. So oh, yes. good luck with that. <laughs> and uh, thank you very much for thank your you. time. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. This podcast series is developed and produced by Stones Life Science. Stones is a foundation creating sustainable growth through private-public collaborations. Thank you for listening and for more information about this podcast and as well as about Stones, please visit our website lifescience.stones.se and follow us on LinkedIn where you will find us under our name.